Well, I bring uh, tears of tears from Marin County, but actually joy for you all. And we're delighted that John and Kathy and the family are here. We already miss them, but we're delighted that you have them, and uh, grace abounds. Uh, Larry Munson is the uh, voice, uh, or the former voice of the Georgia Bulldogs. Uh, he never did the pregame show. It was left at somebody else. And, uh, but 30 seconds before the broadcast would begin, they would turn it over to Larry Munson, and Larry Munson would say, get the picture. Dogs to receive. They'll be moving from left to right on your radio dial. They're dressed in red jerseys and silver britches. Uh, the wind is swirling and should be a factor. Clemson is in all orange. They're big and they're fast, and we haven't got a prayer. And then he would go on. The kick would be off, and off we would go. John says, I have a short time, so I'm going to say this. Get the picture. Jesus has risen from the dead and is at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. He's ascended, and now he's, he's at the right hand of the Father. Pentecost has happened. Uh, God has poured out his Holy Spirit on the people who are gathered in Jerusalem from every nation under heaven. Uh, Peter had explained what happened when Pentecost happened, and men and women and boys and girls were coming to faith in Jesus Christ, and the apostles were preaching, and they were teaching in the, in the temple and all around the city, and the religious elites didn't like it one little bit. That's where we begin, Acts chapter 5, verses 17 through 20, hear the word of God. It says this, but the high priest rose up and all who were with him, that is the party of the Sadducees, and filled with jealousy, they arrested the apostles and put them in public prison. During the night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said, go and stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. And when they heard this, they entered the temple at daybreak and they began to preach. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord, we are thankful for your word and we would ask that you would come now, that you would illumine our hearts and our minds so that we might see you more beautiful and more believable than we walked in this morning. We pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. So what we have here in Acts chapter 5 is just a little slice of history, a little slice of a story that's part of a bigger story that's part of a bigger story. But we have a little slice of history that also serves as an object lesson to the church in every location and in every age. It informs us about the gospel, it connects us to the mission of Christ, and it sends us out in community. Acts chapter 5, verses 17 through 20, just a little bitty thing, is a historical account that also, and especially in our day, serves as an object lesson to be used by the whole church in every age. So let me, let me share just a couple of reflections about this little passage. First, it's a historical account that tells of an angel that came and freed the apostles. Here you have a supernatural being that is creating, that's emancipating or that's freeing the apostles. And so also anybody who calls on the name of the Lord is freed by the hand of God, by the gift of God. The Holy Spirit frees us. It's not because we have our act together. It's not because we can dress up well. It's not because we've memorized the Bible. It's because of God's grace and God's grace alone that God frees us. And this is the story that goes through the whole Bible. Central 
to the story of the whole, the, the true story of the whole world is emancipation, emancipation by the hand of God himself. To follow Jesus is to be emancipated by the work of the Holy Spirit from the prison of our own lordship, from the prison of our own sin, from the prison of thinking we're the ones who are the center of all this. And central to that is God freeing us by his hand. Secondly, notice that he frees us for vocation, not vacation. He frees us for vocation. And that vocation, of course, is the mission of Christ. In the historic account, it says the angel freed the apostles and he immediately gave them a charge. He freed them for a mission so that they might fulfill this vocation that God had given them. He said to them, they said, go and stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. If you have some familiarity with the story of redemption that's told in the scriptures, you know that the very first words that God gives to the human person give him an identity, give the, uh, he and her, him and her, Adam and Eve, give us an identity, right? But they also give us a calling. He didn't just give us life and breath so that we could frolic around, although that was a good part of it. He gave us life and breath so that we would be about his business. We were to take Eden and we were to extend Eden to the ends of the earth. There was a charge. There's always a job to do. The human person was created uh, to glorify God, to enjoy God, but also with a job to do. And in the very same, in the very same way, when we are freed from the prison of our own lordship, when we are freed from sin and death and hell by the work of Christ, we are freed into a mission. God calls us into a mission. And so we see here in this passage that they are also freed into a mission. Thirdly, I want to say this, that the apostles were called to go to the temple because that's where the people in that time would have expected to find life. Of course, as you read Acts and the rest of the New Testament, you see that they were sent all over, but they were sent primarily here in this, little, in this little passage. They went to the ends of the earth, of course, and they went to the ends of the earth. They went to the temple to point people to where there was this life, to where there was true life, to the, where there was whole life. And in fact, in the same way, God sends us today to the places where people think that there is life. And so my question for you, Austin, grace and peace, Austin, is where are the places in your community where people are looking for life, for identity and for life? Surely it's probably the workplace. I know that there's enough people from California here that there's signs that say, don't California my Texas or California my Austin, whatever it might be. There's New Yorkers and there's, there's Californians here and they are looking, many of us look for our identity in, our, in, our wor in the workplace. We look for our identity and we look for our life in the workplace. And um, it's a difficult place to find it, very fickle, especially as you, uh, as you get older. We look for identity and we look for life in family. Now, this is a problem from sea to shining sea. We make an we make a ultimate thing out of a good thing. God has given us a family that we might enjoy, perhaps, uh, that... Uh, and we often ask of our spouses, we often ask of our kids to be something that only God can be with us. We ask them to be life for us, and we end up harming them and harming ourselves in the same way. 
Athletic conquest is certainly a place where you look for life. I looked for life in that place until everybody got faster. I remember the kid who beat me in the sixth grade had to look for life somewhere else because Mark Christensen was suddenly faster than I was in the sixth grade. And so I couldn't have identity and I couldn't have life. G.K. Chesterton even says that every time a man walks into a brothel, he's looking for God or looking for life. And frankly, pornography in our day does some of that same thing. What's my point? It's that God is sending us everywhere that people like us are looking for life so that we can, by word and by deed, say there's a better story. In fact, there's a better person, and that person is named Jesus. Finally, notice that he asks, uh, what he asks of the apostles, he asks of us. He says, go and stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. And I want you to notice two things as we conclude here. The first is this. It's a command that's given to a group. Yes, it's given to individuals, but it's given to a group. The apostles were freed, and the apostles were given this command. It's a command to a community and to, to do it corporately. And this is the call of the church. Grace and peace has a charge to go and to speak the words, all the words of this life. It's not just up to Pastor John or to any pastors that you call in the future. It's up to the community has called us to be uh, the words and the mouth of Christ to a world that's looking for life. Grace and peace has that charge. And you are, we're to go and we're to speak all the words of this life. Life of, in union with Christ. Life united to the giver of life. Life to the emancip- given by the emancipator. He's emancipated us from our own idolatry and we can go and we can share that with our neighbor. Secondly, we're to speak all the words of this life. And as I, as I think about all the words of this life, wow, wow. Uh, John says at the end, if I spoke all, or if I wrote, wrote down all the words that Jesus gave us, it would, there wouldn't be enough books in the world to hold that. How are we to do all the words of this life? And it just occurs to me that all the words of this life are going to take time and it's going to take relationship. Very seldom are all the words of this life a, a one and done proposition. It's the hard and grueling and beautiful work of ministry. It's day in and day out in word and in deed. I heard a theologian on a podcast recently say something about this task of sharing all the words of this life, and I thought it was so good I wrote it down, and he was, he sort of uh, was equating how in our in our present moment looks a lot more like the first century than, say, in, in, the, in the 20th century it did. And he uh, took us back to Rodney Stark's book, The Rise of Christianity. And he said, Rodney Stark's book is, is a really helpful on this, and that is on sharing all the words of this life. He said, Christianity did not spread by the great brains passing on to other great brains who developed, the, who developed them, and then it was sort of a trickle-down effect. He said that some of that happened, and that's sort of the scaffolding of what happened. He said, but rather... The reason people became Christians was because their neighbors were behaving differently. And the way they were behaving was deeply attractive, and they wanted to know why. The way their neighbors were behaving was attractive, and they wanted to know why. What's he saying? That acts of grace and generosity and selflessness and humility and hospitality 
changed the world in their day, and it can change the world in ours with the help of God. Grace and peace, I have known the sweets for 19 years, and here's what I can tell you. You have a pastor and his bride who live a deeply attractive life. So attractive that people want to know why. Uh, they wanted to know why in Brooklyn. They sure wanted to know why in Marin County, and I suspect that in Austin, people will want to know why. I've seen them give their time and their tears. I've seen them give their hospitality and their humility. I've seen them give even their kidneys to their neighbors as gestures of God's grace in their lives and their commitment to the good of their neighbor. And I double dog dare you <laughs> to follow Jesus as they follow Jesus. I have great uh, hope for Austin and great hope for Grace and Peace Church because of their ministry. And their attractiveness, of course, comes because they're united to the one who is all of attractiveness, to the one, to the Lord Jesus Christ, who, who ransomed John and Kathy, not with gold or silver, but with his precious blood. So I pray together, together, you will go to the places where people in this community are looking for life and that you will tell them all the words of this life. A life of freedom, a life of joy, a life of authenticity, a life of security, a life of hope. And that in doing so, you also will discover and be renewed in this life for the glory of God and for the good of Austin. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you set prisoners free. We thank you that your Holy Spirit indwells us and over time helps us to grow more and more like Christ. And Lord, I pray that Austin would see Christ in Grace and Peace Church. We pray that you would bless her, that you would keep her, that you would preserve her, that you would prosper her, that you would grant them great joy in this magnificent task that you've given them. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.